had the privilege of, um, of working with the Canadian Mental Health Association mm -hmm. um, for six years. And, um, and I was responsible for workplace mental health strategies. And at the time that I started with CMHA, there was, uh, we literally had to pay companies to come. We had to offer them free breakfast in order to um, come and hear us talk about the business case for mental health was really at the forefront of advocating for research to be done about the effects of uh, the effects of of mental illness and and ill health on the bottom line but then to try and and help companies understand why and how investment in these areas is good business Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Hacking HR podcast. I'm Tatiana, so delighted to be with you today on this Friday. We have a wonderful guest joining us from um, Canada, I believe you're right now. Candice I am. Brick. And Candice is with us today to share some amazing insights about her passion projects and uh, topics. And I'll give you a bit of a teaser uh, before we move to Candice introducing herself a little. We will be talking remote work. Uh, we will also be talking mental well-being and who takes care of HR. Welcome, Candice. Thank you so much, Tatiana. So good to have you. So tell us a little bit more. Why these core topics? Where does this passion come from? And, and where are you landed today? Yeah, well, thank you. And wow, that's a big question. I think like many HR people, I've had a, a little bit of a meandering path to my current place. And mm. you know, in, in my career, path led to path, but, but the, the theme has always been people and, uh, and senior, senior leadership. And so I've been in nonprofit, I've been in tech, um, and now I'm the director of the Remote Performance Academy with, uh, with Teamit. Mm. Amazing. And you did share earlier before we hit record button, there is a few topics that are very close to your heart. And um, one of them, which really fascinates me because we tend to forget who takes care of HR when we've taken care of everybody. So tell yeah. us a little bit more about that. You bet. And yeah, actually, that's, um, I'm super happy that that's where we're starting because it really is such a big part of, you know, my roots and, and my why. I had the privilege of, um, of working with the Canadian Mental Health Association mm -hmm. um, for six years. And, um, and I was responsible for workplace mental health strategies. And at the time that I started with CMHA, there was, uh, we literally had to pay companies to come. We had to offer them free breakfast in order to um, come and hear us talk about the business case for mental health. Yeah. And uh, the Canadian Mental Health Association is the oldest charity in Canada, but was really at the forefront of advocating for research to be done about the effects of uh, the effects of um, of mental illness and and ill health on the bottom line. But then to try and and help companies understand why and how investment in these areas is good business, and so. Um, so as we figured out and tested different ways of trying to convey to companies the, the critical importance of this, I had the opportunity to meet with many, with, with many HR leaders and with many, um, you know, who, or whoever it was that was, you know, put in charge of the people part of, of mm. businesses. 
And what I recognized at the time, and as I became a, in many ways, a confidant of, of you know, the people who were, who were in these positions and tried to come alongside of them in, in navigating things within their organization, what I saw was that, you know, I thought I was coming in with this great content about and strategies about what they could do within their business. And, and, but a, a big chunk of, of my work ended up being just caring for the people, caring for these HR leaders and caring for these, uh, for, um, you know, the people caring for the people. Mm. And so as I got to peek in the drawers of a, a lot of companies through that, through my work there, at the same time, there was also some uh, important changes in legislation regarding bullying and harassment in mm. my province. And, um, and again, had the privilege of being uh, just working alongside of, of a number of groups as, as this legislation and the changes related to it were rolling out. And, and again, through that, got to, got, to, got to understand and hear and know what was, what was happening um, for these HR leaders as they were navigating it. And, and you know, and, and then moving into uh, or returning to an HR uh, in-house role after that. Um, the early part of my career was, was definitely in an HR role, but it was, uh, it, it changed me. It changed my view of how we work within organizations and, and the complexities that we face. And, you know, a lot of a lot of what we do, and I mean, if our listeners are, are HR folks, I mean, you know, you know what it is. I don't, you don't need me to say it, but, mm. but the complexities of knowing what's happening with, with the employees on the front line of the business, whatever the business happens to be, and senior execs, and then, you know, there's boards or, you know, other stakeholders who, who and, and, and the pressures all around, and, and it's, it can be challenging to, um, to hold all the all the all these pieces of of complexity, and to be that trusted advisor to some when you know these other pieces and and so on and and so I just I love to come alongside of of HR professionals of you know just whoever the person is in front of me and first of all point out where I see that they are hitting it out of the park and where they're doing really well. Well, I love to just notice and be their cheerleader. I mm. often say my pom-poms are always with me <laughs> and I will always, I will always be a cheerleader for, um, for the person in front of me. I just think we don't do enough encouraging and, and expressing gratitude and recognition mm. for some of the people who, who are doing so much of this heavy lifting and and, um, and then secondly, to just like, uh, and we know this as HR professionals taking that coach approach to try and, you know, as a, often outside eyes take uh, the opportunity to find which powerful question can mm -hmm. help to, um, can, can help people to pop up a little bit and be able to see. Right. I, I was chatting with a COO last week who, who was saying, um, and I think this is the common refrain right now, my staff are looking to me for, for what to do and what the plan is in the future. And I don't know what to tell them because I don't know what it is. Mm. And, and where does a senior leader, where can a senior leader say that? And, and you know, they can't say it to their staff. It, they probably can't 
necessarily, or, or, you know, it might be iffy to say it to the COO. And so, and so it's a, I, it's a privilege just to be that, uh, a safe place. That's awesome. Thank you for cheerleading. Thank you for the pom-poms. I can yeah. picture it. I was just like, yeah, I can, yeah. You know. yeah. <laughs> but I do wonder, um, do HR folks get surprised when you kind of tell them that they need a bit of help too? Or, or do people come to you and, and recognize, I really need somebody now to look after us or after me? I think there's often that awareness and recognition, but you know, the, um, I, th I think the common or a common refrain I hear and that I've, you know, for sure experienced is that I'll take care of me after everyone else has taken yeah, care of. That's true. And when we don't know how long things are going, then it's like, you know, and we just sort of go, okay, maybe two weeks from now, maybe a month from now, mm -hmm. I've got a weekend booked away at this point. And so that'll be the point. And, and what we know from, from research into the mental health and mental illness continuum. And there is a continuum that all of us are moving along all the time, every hour, every minute, every of every day, you know, we're either moving closer to the health side or we're moving closer to the, to the illness side. Mm. But um, what we know is that the earlier the intervention, the greater the outcome. And so the sooner you can take care of whatever's maybe going off the rails, you know, when the gap is here, then, then we've just got a little bit of a gap to close. But if we follow that out yeah. and over time that, you know, something that was just 10 degrees off becomes this chasm mm. that becomes really, really hard to dial back from. And, you know, and, and many of us know this and, and know it enough to, to advise and to tell our, our leaders, you need to take care of you. <laughs> and and, and yeah. meanwhile, we're, we're not Thank looking you. at <laughs> We're not looking in the mirror, and I, I, I think you know something that, that was a, a mentor of mine encouraged me to do because I was, I'm definitely prone to being that person as well. It's just, you know, it, well, one more thing, um, today, like getting one more thing, just one more thing, just one mm -hmm. more thing. Will that one more thing really get you further ahead, or will it just rob you of, you know, like that extra forty five minutes of, right. of rest or being with your family or, or exercise or, you know, or just what, whatever it is. So, mm. so the freeing yourself from the, that one more thing concept, it, it was the piece that it, it became sort of my, my grid for, for assessing. Right. Um, you know, I tried to pay attention to when am I saying, okay, just one more thing. And what, why, what, <laughs> first of all, why? Why mm. one more thing? Why? It's 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 going to be there tomorrow, guaranteed. Oh yeah, <laughs> and no escape there. <laughs> no, and so so why? Mm -hmm. You know, am I really going to feel that much better, or is it going to just deplete me at at that point? And and so um, and so it's those it's those little things. It's it's kind of like hydration. You know, when we think about drinking water and staying hydrated. Um, the best way to stay hydrated isn't once every two weeks drinking four liters of water. <laughs> That's not the best way to, to, to stay hydrated. The best way to stay hydrated is little sips over every single day all the time. Mm. So, um, and so it's a very similar concept to wellness. You know, the, taking little sips is of, of, of wellness. <laughs> um, and so whether that's just even 
standing outside and and looking at the sky or or whether it's getting up and making yourself maybe not coffee this time maybe a cup of tea like a mm. cup of herbal tea or you know it's it's all those little choices that that add up to the to the big piece and and we found actually that that hydration analogy is um it's you know uh, seems to seems to resonate and when we when we start to apply that to our day and even you know using that that similar that image of of this glass of water mm-hmm. then um then it, it can become a physical tangible reminder of 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 almost hydrating our mental health yeah and and making fun. sure that we're that we're healthy and that we're we're Love doing that. what we can Thank you. No, it's super powerful because certainly it is less abstract if you can connect it to something that you can touch, which is amazing. Pandemic obviously has not helped us in any way in in getting or feeling better. I wonder, especially when people are out of reach now, we don't really know how they're doing, even though we have them on the screen probably most of the time and we see a little bit of, of the background, but you know, even that can be manipulated. Do you see more openness or more awareness about that kind of need? Or do you see other trends? Or is it more people hiding and saying, I'll be just fine, I'll figure it out all on my own? Is there any such thing? Um, I mean, the, I would say that the trends are, um, you know, the trends are definitely, uh, there's, I'm hearing recognition in my, in my circles, I'm hearing recognition of the long-term impact mm-hmm. um, of, of the pandemic, you know, for people who, who live alone, um, you know, and, and their only connection is work and, you know, and, and, and I, I wanna speak a little bit around motivation, but, but the, um, and if you can help me just re- remember to come back to that in, in a second, but, sure. but the, um, the, you know, people who are living alone often, well, I'm, I'm here and what am I, you know, if I've got a choice between watching more Netflix or, or doing more work, at least work makes me feel like, you know, there's some kind of purpose in my life. Mm. And, um, and so it's, you know, that loneliness and that lack of, of human connection, like work is their connection to the outside world Mm. and to real people, you know, they can be slacking real people. They can be, you know, messaging real people. And so it becomes, um, but then there's that overworking and, and, um, and so I've, you know, definitely heard that and have seen some, some recognition from some, uh, I think there's something that's con- a bit concerning for me, you know, and of course there's, there's other people, just the wear and tear of, you know, people who are, who are uh, caregivers or parents um, and the, as if there's been at home schooling or if there've been, you know, um, I, I know of at least one family who moved their aging parent out of a care home and into their own home so that they could at least see, you know, spend days with, with their family member Mm -hmm. and, and include them in their, in their bubble. And so it's, it's been so very, um, there's been a lot of wear and tear, but the one thing that's concerning me a little bit is, is as restrictions lift and as there's, you know, less, um, uh, I mean, we're, we're still talking, but there's, there's been some shifts and some openness, you know, masks, at least in our province are now 
optional and in some places and Mm -hmm. and um and so the I, I get concerned when I hear some workplaces going okay now it's over or it's almost <sighs> over and okay. not recognizing that the the our experience of the pandemic has changed us mm. many of us have have done a lot of soul searching over this last period of time many of us have really evaluated our values and what's important and once we have more freedom you know the things we took for for granted um, you know, I, I know I'm definitely feeling I'm, I don't want to take it for granted anymore. I, you know, work doesn't get all of me anymore. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and so, you know, because there's, there's other priorities. And as long as I have that freedom, then I, I want to be accessing it. And I want to, because those things make me feel more whole. And, and so, and so I, I'm, I'm concerned about, about this notion of, okay, now, you know, things can, can kind of get back to, back to normal. I heard one, one uh, senior leader again, just say, you know, I was talking to this one employee who, I mean, we've worked together for 15 years and, and, and this 15 year employee, like, I, I, we, we know each other, like we, we, like, but when we, we're starting to spend time back in the office together. She's not the same person. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. um, and so I was like, yeah, <laughs> she's, she's not the same person. And, and he was, he was really, um, it was, he, he just didn't know what to do with this. And, 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 you know, some, some of his words were, you know, this person before was very, very rational, very, very fact-driven. These were his words. And, and now this person seemed more emotional and yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, so this is, this has changed us and, and we're, and we're tired and we're weary and, and some have thrived within the pandemic, you know, as they've been able to maybe have no commutes and more Mm. family time or you know there have been a lot of you know wonderful stories of people who have have really thrived where they've been able to have true flexibility over where you know at least what you know within their home and how they're organizing their time as long as they have dedicated workspace and you know aren't torn with too many caregiving responsibilities and so and and um and there have been many who have not, and we run into trouble. And this is this is not just pandemic related, but you know where we run into trouble is when we think everybody should be like us, <laughs> or when we think that mm-hmm. that um, well, I I mean we all went through this shared experience of the pandemic or the shared experience of whatever, and um, and when we think that our experience is is what everybody else's experience has been, and and. And that is not the case. And I, I think, um, you know, I think there's, uh, there's a lot of um, strategies that can, that can help us in the next, in the next coming months um, that, that can allow for work to get done. Cause these are, I mean, it's, it's work. It's, these are mm. businesses, there's stuff to get done. There's, you know, money to be made. Otherwise it's not a business anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've, we've got to keep moving forward with the work, but, 
but the best way to do that is is a human centered approach. So what would you say concretely, let's take this wonderful leader statement. Um, probably he she is not alone. So there will be others who have similar thoughts and feelings and maybe they've even changed and haven't realized how much they've changed. So it's quite interesting to see that ignorance. Um, but would you have a concrete piece of advice if you say if you get approached as an HR leader or any kind of HR professional and this happens, what do you do with this? Is there any kind of, you know, one, two, three, here's what works best? Would you care to share? One, two, three. Well, I have a few, a few thoughts um, mm -hmm. at this point. And, and, you know, I'm also iterating and learning as, as, as we go through this, but, mm -hmm. you know, the, the first thing that I've, I've said to a number of leaders is that until health and safety is no longer the primary, you know, uh, factor that's driving where people are working. Mm -hmm. So until the pandemic is done, then, um, then health and safety is still driving. And so, uh, so we need to just recognize that, uh, that for employers, there's a responsibility, but there's also this other impact for people as they're showing up in their workplace. Mm -hmm. Health and safety is top of mind. And so, and, you know, given people's, um, you know, if anybody has vulnerable health or has, uh, or lives with a person who has vulnerable health, then, then, you know, and until it's, then, then we're going to continue even with health orders beginning to lift mm. health and safety is going to be the driver. So we're still, you know, until, until we sort of say like the pandemic is, you know, as it's been is, is, is done. And we're not talking about waves and you know vaccines and things like this then then we we need to just be aware mm -hmm. that um that health and safety is is top of mind right and the thing about physical health and safety living and dying is that you know we when we consider maslow's hierarchy like mm -hmm. like like this is foundational people can't access their you know self-actualization levels if if they're thinking about physical health yeah. and safety and so as long as that's going on somewhere at, or to some level within the organization, we, we need to, we need to be patient and, mm -hmm. and we need to stop rushing, um, uh, this. So, um, so I, I just encourage people to, there's, there's a decision point that, that will come. I'm not totally sure, you know, what it's going to sound like, mm -hmm. but there's, there's going to be a decision point where health and safety is no longer a primary primary uh, you know, kind of gate that we need to consider right. when we're thinking about where and how work is done. So, um, so that's, that's the first piece. Mm -hmm. And as we look at, at the work that needs to be done, we, we recommend, and this is not original to me, um, we recommend that people look at people, place, and process. And, mm -hmm. and uh, Dr. Karen Lajeski is a, a researcher. She wrote The Power of Virtual Distance. Her, um, her research was looking at the impact of distance on productivity and happiness. Mm -hmm. And her, her initial look was an assumption around distance was that it was, we're looking at physical distance. Right. Uh, you know, so the, the distance away from, you know, my coworkers, the physical distance. Mm -hmm. What her research showed is that there are actually three kinds of distance that, that have an impact on productivity and happiness. And, um, and so physical distance is one, mm -hmm. but operational distance is also a thing. 
that we need to be thinking about. Now, operational distance is the distance that's created when we have bad processes or when we're not using right. our tools well. So, so when I, when it takes me four steps to get to you yeah, because of our process or, you know, or I can't, I can't reach you because, because it's not clear how to reach you when it's time to mm. do this, this task. So when we have bad processes or we're, we're not using our tool or bad tools, or we're not using our tools effectively, that's operational distance. Mm -hmm. And, um, and what her research found is that that operational process distance has double the impact as physical distance on productivity wow. and happiness. Mm. I know I get really excited about this. So, and then what she discovered is that there's a third kind of distance, which is called affinity distance. Now, affinity right. is that sense of belonging, that sense mm -hmm. of connection, that sense of um, Tatiana has my back and I have hers. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, that, yeah, just that, that connection within team. And so uh, many of us have, have experienced when we're, our desks might be 10 feet apart from one another, but we might as well be an ocean apart. Mm. And so, so it's that, it's that disconnection amongst people. And so affinity, so to simplify it, and plus I love alliteration. So we've, we've called it uh, people, place and process. Mm -hmm. What her research found was that that affinity people distance piece has four times the impact on productivity and happiness. Wow. That uh, uh, then physical distance. And so Amazing. while we're focused on, many of us are focused on the disruption of, of uh, the fact that your desk is no longer just down the hall from me. Yeah. And so I can't just go down the hall anymore and ask you that question. It's not that I now have to book a time and, you know, all that mm. kind of stuff. And, and that distance is real. But our biggest opportunities for, for, productivity and happiness in our employees is actually looking at the operational and process distance that's created and the affinity people distance that exists and and the route to affinity distance or a safe route that we that we recommend with companies is is to look at that process and operational distance because if you and I don't know each other very well the, one of the best ways that you and I can, can begin to connect is if we work on a project together. Yeah. If, if we start going, okay, this process, there's a problem with it. So, uh, which reminds me to going back to the motivation piece, we know from Daniel Pink and from, you know, many other, uh, Teresa Amabile, who's done a lot of great research on, on, on motivation as well the four things that are most motivating for our employees is uh, autonomy, mastery, purpose, and progress. Mm. And so when we look at those pieces, then making, making, um, uh, bringing my expertise, my mastery to, and having some responsibility, a little bit of autonomy around, around doing this autonomy, mastery, purpose, that's going to have an impact mm -hmm. on making the team more productive and more happy. And, and then that, that there's this, uh, and that I'm able to feel and demonstrate progress that I'm able to, that I'm able to complete something mm -hmm. <laughs> in, mm -hmm. in the midst of the, right? Like I'm able to see a project end to end, yeah. super motivating. 
And then what happens is when you and I work on that together, I feel closer to you. That's right. I've got a sense of your mastery. I've got a sense of your purpose. I've got a sense of, I've got a sense of, and and we start to have each other's backs. Yeah. And so so that affinity piece becomes, and so even though I I miss, and I do, you know, my, my work friends, I I, I miss going for lunch or going for walks Mm -hmm. or going for coffees or, or, or just like going, whoa, what was that call you were on? <laughs> right? Or just those things where you get to talk about yeah. support and that, and, yeah. and just know you're not alone in this. Um, it, it, there's, there's wonderful opportunities, uh, you know, that, that can be available to us that are separate from physical place. This is huge. I think everybody should be jumping up and down now out of excitement to say we don't need to go back to the office unless we really want to. And I've seen research the other day. It was so funny. You know, the likelihood of meeting somebody in the office, it was about how innovative are we if we are together in one place versus being remote and distance. And the um, research and then all the interviews and then the uh, conclusion showed that if it's not curated in a way that I'm intentionally meeting with you in the office to get something done where you say progress and maybe mastery and all that, uh, but we just happen to go to the office, innovation won't happen. It's a myth. And even the question, will you ever meet your colleagues in the office when everybody's head down, you know, wants some quiet place, which is so funny. You're coming to a social place to have a quiet place. Um, Yeah. How likely is it that you would really come up with the idea, run over to your mate and say, hey, let's do this together. I've got this awesome idea and let's fix something huge today. It's just not going to happen. It's so rare. And then percentages shrink more and more and more the more you look at it, you know, Mm. how often you turn up in the office, how often your colleagues are there. So if it's not intentional, if it's not really curated with an end goal in mind, it doesn't really matter where you are. And I think you're just, you know, kind of reinforcing it. And the research seems to also, you know, give some good guidance there to say it really it, does. it's not that thing with four walls and a roof that makes it different. It's something else. So why is that not yes. dominant then? Why is that not known? Like, why do we keep beating ourselves <laughs> because, and others on this discussion? Yeah, then? yeah, it was. And I don't know if I'm saying his name right, but Gary Hamel or Hamel, I, I feel badly that I don't know how to pronounce his, his name correctly. But he said, we have, um, there's a, a quote that I'll butcher a bit, but I'll get the point across. He said, we have 21st century tech that we're applying to 20th century processes um, mm-hmm. on top of 19th century principles. Okay. Um, you know, we're, our, 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 many of our management principles, leadership principles, mm-hmm. our, our beliefs are, are so tied, you know, to these pieces and, and, and we, just, we just haven't caught up. Chris Kane, um, he's uh, out of the UK he just this spring published a book called Where Is My Office? And he comes actually from a commercial <laughs> like real that. estate. Yeah, he comes from a commercial real estate background. And he, um, he had some really big epiphanies when he was doing some work with the BBC. And, and his epiphany as he was working along with the HR person there um, was, was that we tend to view the physical space of our offices all wrong. Um, we start, you know, what we what we've traditionally done and what we typically do is, is we start with the space, 
And then we think about what's the best configuration of the people within it. And then we expect the work to be done. Mm. What he proposes, get ready, <laughs> is, is, is that we start with the work that needs to be done. <laughs> and then like, what, what's the work that has to be accomplished? Mm. Who are the people we have? And what's the best use of the space? in order to support the people in getting the work done. Mm. It's like, it's so mind blowing to me yeah. that I was like, Oh my gosh, he's right. He's right. <laughs> it's like and when so you put developers into a large open plan office, and they go like, I can't work. I yeah, need and then we spend all this money on big noise canceling so that they're blocked everything and and yeah, and then we're trying to get rid of the overhead lights because, oh, yeah. because, because of the screen and the details and like, it's, it's, it's crazy. And so, and so as we have this opportunity right mm -hmm. now to, and you know, there's all this pressure to go, but we're paying for this beautiful, expensive space. It's beautiful. The space is inspiring. We've got bright colors and glass walls. And we've got like, you know, when we spent all this money, we spent all this money, we spent all this money and I don't want it to be wasted. Well, um, you know, the, the opportunity that we have right now is to say, what's the work that needs to be done first? Mm -hmm. Let's even just take the next quarter because I mean, and we're also just recommending shorter sprints. We're, we're recommending shorter shorter views we need to keep the long term in in mind mm -hmm. but let's not stress ourselves out with with looking trying to project too far into the future mm. um what's the what's the problem that, that we need to solve in the most critical problem we need to solve in the next little bit that's going to help move the business forward and sprint our way to it but then how how might if we have physical space how might physical space serve the business purposes mm. not how many offices how many desks yeah. how many, shiny like, towers yeah it's we're, we're coming at it completely backwards and so and so when we look at that then so what if, if we just if we say space physical space is one of the tools that we have mm. it's a resource that we have just like a software, just like, so it's a powerful tool, space, physical space is a powerful tool that we, that we have, that many of us, not everyone, but many of us have available to us. So, um, so what's the best use of that tool in order to support the people in getting the work done? Which then in turn does not waste time and money. So there is the desired result. It's just There's a the different approach to it, how to get to it, wow. Yeah, lots of amazing ideas there, certainly, Candace. And I think we could be talking forever. We could. That's yeah. gone by quickly. It's super inspiring. Thank you. I think, you know, just exactly this sparking some ideas and turning things upside down. This is what we love doing at Hacking HR, inspiring us also, you know, enabling really the community and saying, have we thought about this? Have we considered that? Um, how can technology help us and not, you know, be an alien to us or even worse, you know, we become the servants to technology and not the other way around. So mm -hmm. I think there is a lot to take hold of here. And we'd obviously love to have you back in any capacity, be it at a speaker panel, the global conference back in March. In the meantime, I'd love to ask you what I love to ask every single guest on the show. 
and you did mention it a little in the beginning, so I'll leave to you if you want to, um, you know, double click further. What are you most concerned about? And what are you mm. most excited about? If we think mm. about the future, or more specifically, yeah. the future of work? Yeah, so, um, wow, okay, not a small question there. But but I, I think, I think I'm, I'm most concerned that at, at this point in time that we're trying to project too far into the future mm -hmm. um, when there is still so much that's, that just needs to be uh, figured out. I, I, and, and within that, I think I'm most excited about, uh, about the, the opportunity that's before us to, to reinvent and to rethink how we do work. I, I think I think I'm most excited about, about us looking at what's the best thinking that we can apply that's going to help our, our people within our, within our workplaces and, um, and, and how can we apply, honestly, 21st century thinking um, to, our, to, our, uh, to our processes and and just make make workplaces better for mm. for our people and and um, uh, I I think I think I'm most excited and and our our HR people I I, I remain concerned for for many through this but um, we're going to come through it we are resilient we we are we are the ones who others lean on and it's because we're we're strong we're smart and. Um, and we we genuinely care, and and so, um, and so I think if we lean on, it, you know, if 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 and when we don't know what to do, if we just if we lean on and trust that, that caring for our people will will ultimately help, um, you know, to to move things forward and and keep a keep a learning and a growth mindset ourselves, then. Um, we're not just going to be okay. We're going to we're we're going to be better for this. Mm, love it. Thank you so much. Thanks for being such a vivid cheerleader, an advocate, a supporter, a huge impact person. We have come from pom poms over space, <laughs> mental well being, interesting yeah. statements of leaders that we can certainly turn into positive uh, good stuff. And ultimately, a big, big future that is optimistic. It's looking bright, and it's on us to really grab it and uh, lead it and drive it our way. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you, Tatiana. Thank you for being with us. Thanks, everybody. You can tell we've been trying to unpack a lot today, but it's been super inspiring. So thank you for joining. Hope you've taken something away. Keep us posted, and see you at the next episode of Hacking HR. Take care. Thank you, everybody, for watching or listening to this podcast. I hope you enjoyed the show. Please follow us on our social media and subscribe to our newsletter so that you can stay informed of all the things that we're putting together for you from the Hacking HR community. Thank you so much. Please continue to stay safe, stay well, stay strong, and we will see you soon.